When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here at the Ranger Report podcast, we only represent products we believe in. As you've heard over the past year plus, we've been running our Walton's commercial. I've been using Walton's products for a long time now, and let me tell you, they're some of the best seasonings I've ever used. One of my staples to make at my house are pork chops, and their ultimate pork chop and roast rub has gotten more compliments than anything that I've ever used. For burgers, their better burger seasoning is delicious, and I only use that on my burgers. Again, tons of compliments. They have all kind of seasonings that you can imagine. They have barbecue sauce and the thick kind, not the watery kind at all. If you're into wild game, they have seasons and rubs for that as well. Don't forget their line of sausage casings and all the tools to make your own meat products from sausage and jerky to grinders and more. Walton's really is a one-stop shop for everything but the meat. If you like tips and tricks and videos on how to do a whole lot of things when it comes to cooking, then you should go to www.meatgistics.com. Go to www.waltonsinc.com today and start shopping and tell them the Ranger Report podcast sent you. Walton's, everything but the meat. This is Bruce Bochy, and you're listening to the Ranger Report. The Ranger Report. Yeah, the Ranger Report. If you want the inside scoop, listen to the Ranger Report. Oh, here we go. This is the Ranger Report Podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the World Series champion, Texas Rangers, from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now, here are your hosts, Ben Dieter, Tyler Nielsen, and C.J. Berryman. Welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast, your source for everything Texas Rangers and the fans first sports network we are always brought to you by waltons waltons everything but the meat and dallas sports nation and we are not coming to you from the preferred hill solutions online studio we had some technical issues but we are here uh it is i am cj berryman you can find me at cjb underscore rr on the x and we have our honorary host kane mccutcheon joining us today ben and tyler have the day off kane how you doing what up, y'all? I'm doing great. It's Kane here. You guys know where to find me at Kane underscore McCutcheon six on X and at DallasSportsNation.com slash Kane McCutcheon for my weekly Rangers and Dallas Wings articles. And we are happy to be joined, happy and blessed to be joined by. Uh, well, if you haven't been, if you're <laughs> if you haven't been following the Rangers for I don't know since uh, the what 70s um then you've been living under a rock mr tr sullivan how are you doing today tr hi guys hi kane hi christopher how's cj how's everybody doing good 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 uh we will start off yeah we'll we'll start off here with uh some some rangers news that came down the pipe today uh rangers avoided the arbitration hearing that was coming up pretty quick with adolis garcia i believe it was tomorrow they signed a two-year deal terms of the uh, signing are yet to be disclosed pending physical but that's obviously an important important <laughs> very important piece uh, for the rangers to have back in which i mean he's he, they still had retained control and would have gone to an arbiter and been settled there but it's nice to know that they came to an agreement tr we'll start with you uh, that's obviously a very very important piece to add back to the rangers world series team 
But here's the interesting thing about that, CJ. Um, arbitration is for players with three three years of experience, mm-hmm. plus the Super Two guys, and mm-hmm. um, less but are not eligible for free agency mm-hmm. after six years. So the three to three to five year uh, service time. And some club, the Rangers have not had an arbitration hearing since 2000 with Lee Stevens. Now, so we're talking about 25 years. Right. There's a lot of teams. When you, so, so the arbitration process, you exchange numbers with the club. I guess that happened about two weeks ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of clubs who have a file and trial philosophy. That means that once you exchange numbers, they're going they're, then they're going to a hearing. No questions asked. The negotiations are over. Um, we're going to a hearing. The Rangers' philosophy on John Daniels did not have that philosophy. And uh, as obviously under John Daniels and his predecessor, uh, John Hart, the Rangers never went to a, an arbitration hearing. They just avoided it almost at all costs. I think a couple times they were very close, but they never actually had a hearing. And so what's interesting about this is it looks like Chris Young is going to follow the same philosophy. He's not going to go to file and trial where automatically you exchange the numbers and and, and, you, and you go to a, a hearing. So that puts the, the file and trial uh, philosophy puts a little bit more pressure on the agent to get something done before they exchange numbers rather than, you know, file the numbers and then continue to negotiate. You know, it's, it's like you said, CJ, Garcia was under contract, it was under control by the, by the Rangers for the next two years. So he was going to play for him. But obviously, you know, one of the things they have, and I think this is a little bit of a crock, but one of the things they like is, you know, this is goodwill, you know, we keep the player happy and, you know, all of that stuff. Well, you know, I understand that, but the player still wants to go out and perform, you know, max out his performance, max out his value, you know, max out his value to the team. So I think Garcia would have still gone out there and, and played very well for the Rangers and done what he's supposed to do. Would there be some ill feelings? Yes. But um, when he comes free agent, if Garcia continues, has two big years, when he comes free agent, you know, he's going to go out and get the best contract he wants or he, he can get. He's not going to remember, well, the Rangers were really nice and they avoided arbitration with me. I don't think that's going to play out. Correct. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that the Rangers – they avoid going to that hearing and it's been so long. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I completely forgot about the Lee Stevens thing. I completely forgot. It's been that long uh, that I I thought the Rangers had never had an arbitration hearing because they, like you mentioned, they come to deals with guys to actually void out some of those arbitration years. They did with Elvis Andrews. I believe they did with Nelson Cruz. They did do it with Josh Hamilton. Um, now with the Dolis, I mean, there's a lot of times where the guy enters those arbitration years and they just come to a terms on either a, a multi-year extension past those arbitration years or they, they come up with a multi-year deal to cover those arbitration years, with which is what they just did with the Dolis to cover this arbitration year and next arbitration year. So it's an interesting well, what, dynamic there. One of the things that is that's a part of it is the agent. A lot of these agents don't want to go to arbitration. And Scott Boris is famous for avoiding arbitration. I mean, he does not like going to arbitration. And the reason is, if you lose that arbitration hearing, let's say you're in players in his fourth year, his fifth year, he loses that arbitration. And, you know, that costs him a couple million dollars. I mean, think about how, how much money is at stake at these things. With Garcia, I think it was like $1.7 million, if I remember right. But that's a lot of money. So if you lose that arbitration, that player's not happy. And the guy he's not happy with is you. So a lot of these agents, you know, you know, talk about the club wanting to keep the player happy. These agents want to keep the player happy because Pudge Rodriguez, remember Ivan Rodriguez, he had three or four agents. He went through agents, you know, like like I oh, go through yeah, you know, <laughs> beer in a night. I mean, he every year he had a new agent. It was hilarious. So the agents don't like arbitration hearing because if they lose it, then the player says, I don't want this guy representing me in, in my free agent year if he's, he's this incompetent. So Again, a lot of agents are don't, do not like the arbitration process either. And as far as is having the player back for two years, locked in two years, uh, Kane, we obviously saw what what Adolis provided for the Rangers throughout the year, not and obviously not through not only throughout the year, 
but also in the playoffs, especially that Houston series, he obviously loves a big moment, especially against Houston. How, I mean, how big is it to have him back for the next two years and not having to worry about another arbitration year? Well, it's huge. Um, I mean, you know, a lot, a lot before the year, we talked a lot about how the Rangers title window was, you know, supposed to be opening this year, obviously got it done a year early, but to have, you know, a cornerstone player back for the next two years, you know, not have to worry about any of that. It's huge. I mean, we saw a career year from Garcia. Not obviously we saw the home runs. We saw the RBIs, but he improved at the plate His at bats. You know, the way he took an at bat was a lot better this year than it had been. And um, it's fun to watch, man. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those players, you know, we talk a lot about fans are excited to go to the ballpark and watch certain players every day. I think us as media is also excited to go to the ballpark and watch certain players every day. And Garcia is 1000% one of those players. And I know Ranger fans are going to love having him for the next two years and, and hopefully longer. And TR, let's kind of talk about that too. The kind of the transition to this season with Adolis's plate approach obviously it changed he was taking more pitches he still likes that high fastball but he's he's learned to lay off it a lot better than he was in the past so it allowed for more walks it allowed for for more deeper counts and so it that transition i think kind of kind of elevated him and allowed him to kind of take that and parlay it into a postseason run and a lot of postseason success uh, one of the things, one of the things with the Rangers that people aren't really talking about, and they made, you know, obviously they made a great hire this year with Bruce Bochy, and you know maybe should have been manager of the year or guy from Baltimore got it. But I don't. When I look at this coaching staff, I think this is one of the best coaching staffs I've ever seen, and I'm really impressed with with the hitting coach Tim Heyer, um, with what he's done with with Adolis Garcia and what he's done with some of those other young guys, uh, Nathan Lowe, excuse me, Nathaniel Lowe. Um, uh, Josh Young. Um, I think you know you look all around the team. The, the defense has been very solid, and you know you got to give you know Corey Ragsdale and and Tony Beasley do a lot of work with that, and um, Donnie Ecker, the the bench coach, and he's also the offensive coordinator. Um, you know we all know about Mike Maddox as a pitching coach. I think this is you know Bobby Wilson. I think is an outstanding catching uh, coach. You look what he's done with Jonah Heim. That's another player who's really bought blossomed at the at the plate under Tim Heyer. I think absolutely, absolutely. I think this um coaching staff really does not get enough credit. I know Bochi's the man, but I think this coaching staff just to me, I am so deeply impressed with just if you look at these players, how much they've improved in the last three or four years, even before Bochi got here, you know, I give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. 100%. And I remember too, just in general, like Donnie Ecker, the offensive coordinator, he's such a such a hitting mind. And I remember talking to him about his, you know, philosophies on hitting and he's talking about time of possession and that's a football thing, but he's talking about it in terms of baseball. We want to see pitches at the plate. We want to be at bat, you know, for longer than the other team is. And, you know, I'm sitting there as he's talking to me and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, wow, like that is genius. Like I had never thought about that, but that is genius. And, you know, like TR said, all of these guys are just, um, you know, 10 out of 10. and and I, you know, I kind of come to think about how this staff was built before the 2022 season, the majority of it, when Chris Woodward was here. And the fact that Bruce Bochy, a Hall of Fame manager, one of the greatest managers of all time, comes in and leaves the staff pretty much as it is, I think is a testament to how how deep it is. Exactly. You're exactly right. And TR, you, you covered the team for, was it 30? 32 years, 32 years. I almost said 33, I almost made you one year older, uh, but you know, that's 32 long years of, of really uh, the Rangers didn't make the playoffs until the mid nineties. So you were through there through all of that stuff. And, and to watch the Rangers really like Kane, Kane put a, put a, a good spin on it there. You know, this year was supposed to be the year that they were supposed to make that World Series push. Last year, it was make a playoff push, which they obviously succeeded. Um, but they did it a year early, according to according to experts. And and to see that happen and to see that final strike to me, honestly, TR, I didn't believe it, it for a week afterwards. I mean, I was just 
waking up every morning and telling myself the Texas Rangers are the World Series champions every morning for like a month, really. Uh, so let's te- let's talk about how you felt about it, covering the team for 32 years and to finally see that joyous moment. Well, I mean, if you look at this team this year, it started off really well. And, and, and as the season started off and, and, and started playing well, that's when I started realizing how much, what a great job they were doing with these young players. Um, you know, Tavares in center field, young, low, time, especially Garcia, especially. And then, and, then, and then the two guys in the middle, uh, Seager and Simeon, really, really doing what they were supposed to do. You know, Seager missed a few weeks and, the, and, and those kids came in, uh, Duran and um, Jankowski. But anyway, Offensively, they were good all year, and defensively, they were good all year. And, you know, they struggled at pitching, and you know, I've seen that for 32 years. You know, Degrom goes down; that was a big blow, and and you know, they're kind of they're kind of uh, doing this on the fly, making changes, making trades for Montgomery, which was a big deal, and of course, they get Scherzer. So, um, Young or Chris Young did a great job of just keeping the plugging in pitchers all season long. You know. And we know about uh, Dunning and, uh, and uh, you know, Haney and Evaldi. You know, so they had they had decent pitching. So all of a sudden, you know, they're going down to September and we're all kind of going, yeah, we've been there before. We know we know how this how this story ends. We've seen this before. You know, we're all going to have our hearts broken, blah, blah, blah. And, and to be perfectly honest, they get into the playoffs. They get into this postseason. And. I started really looking at all these other teams, but I'm going, nobody has any good pitching. You know, and they talked about the Dodgers. They talked about the Braves, talked about the Orioles. I'm looking at those teams and go, these starting rotations are very, very mediocre. You know, the Dodgers don't have, you know, they don't have Bueller and Braves have issues. And, you know, you know, Astros are okay, I guess. But they talk about these teams winning 100 games and then getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and how bad that was and, you know, how they should have had the bye and how that hurt them. What occurred to me was nobody had any good pitching and, you know, the kind of dominant starting pitching that, you know, you guys remember that the, um, you know, the Braves had and, and the Yankees had. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Braves, that Braves rotation was just ridiculous. You know, all those teams used to have, you know, big time starters, you know, you know, when Verlander and Scherzer were dominating, you know, at their best in, in postseason and in Strasburg, y'all remember Steve, what Steven Strasburg did the, you know, a few years ago before Absolutely. he got hurt. Yep. Nobody had that guy. Nobody had that guy. I mean, he was not out there. So when I looked at that, I said, Rangers got as good a chance as anybody. I mean, they could win this thing. I mean, they got the hitting, they got the defense, you know, they patched together uh um starting rotation. Now I'm sitting there going, Well, is is Jose Leclerc gonna hold up? You know, is is Sabora's gonna hold up, is Chapman gonna hold up, you know, all the, Will Smith all down to that that bullpen. When I was watching that, when I was watching it, um, I'm like, maybe the whole thing was, was the bullpen going to hold up? Was Leclerc going to hold up? And I've known Jose Leclerc his entire career. And you could see, I know Maddox can do this. When he comes into a game, you can almost see right away how he's feeling. Is he locked in? Is he too hyper? You know, if he's locked in, he's going to be lights out. He's going to be one of the best relievers you ever saw. But if he's too hyper, if he's too overthrowing, you know, then, then you got trouble. But basically, that bullpen did did a great job, and Bochy did a great job, and Maddox did a great job of keeping that bullpen together and piecing it together step by step through the playoffs. I mean, you look at Scherzer; he's one of their dominant pitchers. He was they weren't even getting five innings out of him. You know, Evaldi was Evaldi ended up pitching great. Montgomery pitched pitched great, but you know, basically, what they did was you know you talk about the magic and the karma and all this stuff. But basically, what happened was Rangers put together a very good lineup. Very good defense, and Chris Young, Bruce Bochy, Mike Maddox were able to piece together a pretty good starting, a pretty good pitching staff. It was just as good or better than anybody else. If you look at it clinically and analytically, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, the Rangers were definitely the best team. I mean, they were they were the best team because of how they how they did it. And it's in my in my whole, but what it comes to <clears throat> what it comes down to is this: everybody's pitching finally came back to the Rangers. All those years, for all the last 35, 40 years, finally, everybody's pitching in postseason came back to the Rangers. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. So I want to ask kind of a two-parter question while we're talking about experience. So I'll start with a question that 
I get a lot and I'm sure you got a lot over the course of your years is what advice would you have for someone working in sports, for someone who wants to work in sports? And then I'll follow up with a question for someone kind of like me where I've been covering the team for two years, but I'm looking to kind of make that jump to, you know, a bigger company somewhere secure. What advice would you have for those two types of people? Whoa. So are you still in college? I am. Yes. And you're doing, you want to do this in radio. I would like to continue right now. I covered the team for Dallas sports nation. So I'd like to continue writing for sure. Well, the biggest thing is experience. Biggest thing right. is experience and, and just getting your name out there, getting to know people, getting your work known. Um, you know, I'm not, I was, ne- I was a terrible marketer, marketing. I was terrible at marketing, but um, you have to do your, for number one thing I tell everybody is do the job you're assigned to do and do it well. Whatever you're assigned to do, do it well. That's the most important thing. Um, if like like for high school, covering high school, if you're gonna be a sports writer, and they ask you to cover a high school football game, you need to go out there and and, and kick butt on that. I mean, you need need to do a great job covering that high school football game. I don't care if it's a girls volleyball game, I don't care if it's um, South Lake Carroll in the state championship, whatever they assign you to do, you need to do a great job on it. Number two, you need to do what nobody else wants to do. That's that's a big thing. When they're looking, let's just say they want somebody to cover the TCU women's golf team or the Texas Tech the women's, you know, polo team or whatever, and nobody wants to do it, you need to step up and say, I'll do it, and then go out and kick butt on that. I mean, mm. those are two of the things. You know, I, I spent four years in Denison, Texas, and uh, I did the job. I did it well. Took it seriously every day, and I finally – I finally got noticed by the Fort Worth Star Telegram. I, I did some stuff they liked and hired me. And, you know, I, I spent four years in Denison, Texas, um, wondering if I was ever going to get out of there. You know, I had, you know, I, I, in 1984, I covered the Texas, uh, Denison, the Denison Yellow Jackets winning the state championship. I had no idea within five years I'd be covering a World Series and an earthquake. So, um, so that's kind of my advice is, you know, then you got, then you got to, you got to know your subject, whatever you're, whatever you're covering, research, research, research. When you go into a sporting event, you need to know everything you can about that. So you can sound prepared because they know, you know, too many times, you know, these guys come up with a microphone and they shove it in people's face. So they, or they shove it and they ask dumb questions and they really don't know what's going on. You know, one of the things that was, I'll give you a little story. When I was at the Star Telegram, and I, I wasn't covering Major League Baseball, I was a high school writer. But they they wanted Bruce Souter was a big story. He'd he'd gone to uh, he'd gone to the Braves. He got hurt. He, you know, this is the Hall of Fame pitcher. He was having a great comeback year. He was also a jerk. He was also really really tough to interview. So they asked me if I wanted to go down to Houston and do a big story on him. So I researched the hell out of it. I mean, I researched the hell out of that story. I talked to people. Now, I was really, really prepared. So when I finally got to talk to Bruce Souter and he was like, oh, rah, 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 I want to talk, but he gave me some time. And I asked really good questions and he gave me really good answers. It took about five, 10 minutes and I got the interview done. And he was, I think he liked the fact that I, I did it quickly and I asked good questions and kind of smiled and shook my hand when we were done. And I wrote a pretty good story. But I was ready for that. I was fully prepared for that story and I was fully prepared to interview Bruce Souter. So, you know, preparation is a big thing. Doing your homework is a big thing. Knowing your subject, whatever whatever you're covering, you need to feel like you're an expert on that subject when you when you go out to um, to do to do whatever you're doing. Mm, yeah, that's good. And I can say too for a fact, I know for sure I'm definitely guilty of of your first uh, thing is is taking it seriously. Um, you know, I remember, especially like when I was in high school, I just finished my first year covering the Rangers. And then there I was back at high school, covering high school football, big high school football. I went to a big high school, but um, definitely was kind of, you know, blew it off. Wasn't as prepared as I could have been. So definitely, uh, definitely. What year are you in school? I am freshman at Dallas Baptist. So. Um, okay. Well, it's been so I mean, fun. you got a long way to go. Yeah, you got a long way to go. I mean, just, I mean, to me, experience, experience, 
and preparation are the two biggest things. The more you do something, the better are you going to be. I mean, that's just whether it's a podcast, play by play, an interview in a clubhouse, or whatever. The more you do it, the better you are. You no, know, right. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, just take today. All right, I don't know diddly squat about electronics and technology, and I know we had difficulty getting this thing. And part of that is I don't, I don't know anything about. I, I never do this. I've never done this before. So I was totally lost getting this whole thing set up. But the, but the more everybody says, well, it's really easy. Well, nothing's easy if you've never done it before. Mm. But the more you do it, <laughs> more interviews you do, more play-by-play you do, the more, you know, whatever you do, podcasts you do, you're going to get better at it. And and it, that's going to make you a better, uh, a better broadcaster or writer or whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And I was asking, I know you probably got that question a lot over the years. I, I get that question a good amount. Um, just, you know, keep going, keep grinding and experience is definitely, definitely key. CJ. I mean, you got to take, I mean, there's key, you got to take every assignment seriously. It's like, it's like just in your basic math class in college. Okay. Every homework assignment counts. Every test counts. You got to take each one, you know, you hear that they get, take it one step at a time, but that's true. You got to, in anything you do, you got to do the job that day. That's what I want to see. If I'm a boss, and I say, okay, I asked you to go cover the Dallas Baptist women's golf team. Did you do a great job? Okay, I don't, I don't want you to come in and say, hey, I could, I can cover the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want you to cover the Dallas Cowboys. We don't cover the Dallas Cowboys. We cover the Dallas Baptist women's golf team, and I need mm. you to do a great job on that. If you can't do a great job on that, and I'm not even going to try to let you cover the Dallas Cowboys or, or, or even the Dallas Baptist baseball team, whatever. I assigned you something today. You got to do the job today. Math in your math class or your calculus class, you were given a homework assignment today. You didn't do it. You get an F. Okay, I, I'm not gonna. You know, don't tell me you got an F. You didn't do the job. So that's 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 kind of what I'm saying. I tell all these young reporters that come out to the Rangers, they got stars in their eyes, and they're they feel like they're covering they're covering the Rangers. Well, you're not covering the Rangers. Okay, you're not covering the Rangers. You're out here. You're you're doing you're doing a story. You're doing an assignment. That's fine. But covering the Rangers means being out here every day. I mean, it's a whole different ball of wax when you're when you're actually having to cover a team every day. But you know, you're gonna get experience. You're gonna get you're gonna get a feel for it. You're gonna get to see what it's like. You're gonna see what T.R. Sullivan does, Evan Grant does. Um, you know, broadcasters do. Emily Jones. You're gonna see what she does. Uh, Garrett Sandler, and uh, that's part of the experience. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and I've I've. I've had to do that grind. I mean, I, and I've told him this too before TR that you're going to have to grind through some stuff that, and, and cover some stuff that you really don't want to. Um, and so whenever I was doing my grind in Hereford and in Gatesville and in Colleen, you kind of got to make, go make things happen on your own. It's not just going to fall into your lap. And so one example that I, that I think I've given you Kane is I didn't know, you know, I knew soccer. I like it. You know, I kind of get it. I kind of got it, but then I got told I'm going to be on the beat for two of the the clean soccer teams. So I'm like, okay, it's one thing to be able to watch it and understand what's going on. It's another to write about the intricacies of it. Like I'm writing a baseball or a football story or a basketball story or a volleyball story. So there was a, a, a soccer coach that I'd become friends with and leading up to soccer season, he and I had lunch every single Wednesday and I would just dig in and dig in and dig in and dig in and ask him questions, you know, and now I know about set pieces and, you know, what runs mean and, and all that good stuff and, and how you, when you watch us now, I watch a soccer game and I know exactly the intricacies of it. And it's because I put myself out there and said, Hey, look, this is a weak point for me and I'm going to learn how to do it. That way I can write the best story that I can possibly write. And so I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that to Yara. So go go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead, sir. So every story counts when you're working for a newspaper, you're working for a radio Mm -hmm. station. Every story counts. It it counts. And that's, I mean, they're, they're, they're they're devoting resources, whether it's airtime or, or print time, they're devoting resources for it so it's important to them it's important to the people you're covering and you know never know you know who you cover where they end up um you just never know 
Yeah, and I ended up in Colleen. I got the, uh, and this is something again I attacked on my own. A lot of it you got to just do on your own. And I contacted David Smoke, who at the time was, uh, yeah. yeah, you know who he is, Cr. I know David. David's a guy who's just grinded it out for years and years and years. Yes, and so he was in Waco doing ESP in Central Texas, and I noticed they weren't talking about my area much when I listened to their to their show. And so I contacted him and said, Hey, how about like a weekly 15 minute segment? And he goes, man, I've been trying to get, you know, some of y'all's writers to do that. And nobody wants to do it. And I was like, I'll do it. And so, um, so yeah, for, for a year and a half, two years, I had a weekly segment on ESPN central Texas talking about district one, six, a sports, all of it. And, and that was something that I attacked. On my own, I had to find my own sponsors as well. Got Fudder Ruckers, so um, that was. I mean, it's just you're gonna have to do a lot of a lot of chasing and a lot of yourself, and you're gonna be tired at the end of every day if you do it right. But uh, with that, we're gonna take a quick break, return for just a few uh, uh, a few final uh, nuggets with T. R. Sullivan. You're listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Welcome back to the Ranger Report podcast. Kane and I are here with T.R. Sullivan, uh, writer for the Texas Rangers, covered the Texas Rangers for 32 years. So how much, T.R., as we close up here, how much did the Rangers, and I know Kane can answer this too, but I want to hear it from from, from you. Uh, how much, how important was it that the Rangers won that World Series? Because it seemed like the whole DFW area just united and just had a blast and just enjoyed the ride. Well, yeah, I mean, every yeah. But to me, you look at it, why this was critical this year. Again, I'm looking at it clinically. I mean, emotionally, it's great. You know, look at Eric McDowell. And oh, I, I had lunch with him the other day, and he's just thrilled for it. And, you know, the whole, whatever, it's like Eric said, and I'll tell you what Tom Hankey said. Tom Hankey was a pitcher for the Rangers back in 93, 94 reliever, all-star reliever. I don't know if you guys remember him, but the year before 92, he's with the Toronto Blue Jays when the Blue Jays won their first World Series. He was their closer and they won the World Series. He was a big, big, big part of it. You know, what, what a big time closer is. But he's also a free agent and he, and he left the Blue Jays and he spent 93 with the Rangers. Well, he told me later, a lot later, that it was very hard on him and it was disappointing on him that he didn't get to be a world champion. I'm saying, okay, what are you talking about, Tom? You guys won the World Series. He says, yes, but I wasn't there the next year to enjoy it, enjoy mm-hmm. the ride. And Eric Nadell and I were talking about that. You know, you know, one of the big things is, and this year is going to be great, they get to enjoy the ride. You know, you know, it, all, it only helps that Beltre is going to the Hall of Fame. Adrian Beltre is going to the Hall of Fame. You know, you know, people are just lining up around the block to have their picture made with that trophy. And they're, that's going to continue to happen. You saw it at um, FanFest or or the Winter Carnival, whatever they call it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, so right now, Ranger fans, the players, the, the organization, everybody, they're going to enjoy this year that this team was the World Series champions. But to me, why this was so important from a clinical standpoint was a few years ago, the Rangers opened up a new ballpark. They did it in a classical fashion. It was a horrible opening, just like it was. They've had three ballparks in each each year. 72, they had the strike. 94, they had the strike. You know, and um, this year, they had the COVID, the, the lockdown. So the ballpark got off to a horrible start. And the team was off to a horrible start for a couple of years. So, so the ballpark, they spent all this money on the ballpark. And the team was a dud. I mean, it was a dud. They were finishing last place or whatever. I mean, they were terrible. You know, they're out there building the stuff. They got Texas Live. And, you know, I'd say a year ago, one year ago, February, Texas Live was dead. I mean, I went out there one time to have lunch with somebody, and the place is just completely dead. I mean, it's a huge entertainment project that they put up there. And it's, you know, Troy Aikman put his name on it. Devon Rodriguez put his name on it. Um, and, and the place was just laying an egg. And, you know, they're building stadiums, or, or excuse me, hotels, and they're, and they're doing all this stuff. And the team stuff. Team stinks. The attendance is not good. So the fact that they won the World Series, long story short, is I think it's rejuvenated not only the fan base, 
but I think it's rejuvenated the stadium, the ballpark, whatever you want to call it. It's rejuvenated the surrounding area, you know, and I think a lot of the stuff is now back on track. And this year, I mean, they're going to be selling out. One of the things they're not doing, this is pretty interesting, guys, is they're not doing any promotions on the weekends. You know, no, you know, you know, the old bat night or the bobblehead night or stuff like that that you drop fans to. They're not doing any of that on the weekends. They expect to sell out on the weekends just on the team alone. So all their promotions are going to be during the week. That's a, I mean, that's a huge sign about how confident they are. And I, and there's no doubt this ballpark, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know, three million, three million is, is reachable. You know, that's, you know, it's 40,000 times eight, 80 uh, games. That'd be 3.2 million. So they'd have to sell out a lot, but they're going to come close to 3 million this year. And, and like I said, hopefully that rejuvenates Texas live, the whole area and, and, and gets the whole, whole vibe back on what that whole entertainment district is supposed to be about. I'm glad you, you brought up a few things that, that just brought some nostalgia back to me, TR, uh, Tom Hanky. Um, yeah, uh, I used to tell, okay. I was a little kid. Let's see. 93. Yeah, I was nine and nice. we watched that. <laughs> Sorry, TR. Uh, but I, you know, I always said that Tom Hinky, my dad looked exactly like Tom Hinky with the big frame glasses, you know, uh-huh. uh, and my dad, he, he, he enjoyed it. I mean, he loved that his son was, you know, enjoying watching baseball with him. So, uh, and remember he was, uh, that was, that was the Jeff or Jeff Russell sandwich year, right? Uh, yeah, kind of like that. And Russell then Mike Hinneman, Mike Hinneman came in in 96 when they made the yeah, Russell, Russell was traded in 92 to the Red Sox. Then Doug Melvin side. Then Hanky was the closer for 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Then, then, uh, Melvin came in and they had the strike and all that stuff. And, 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 and they had to sign people in free agents in, uh, in spring training. And I remember him talking to me in spring training says, here, I need a closer. And uh, so Jeff Russell's out there and he goes, yeah, I think we're going to have to get him. So, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and Russell, Jeff Russell did okay, but um, yeah, that was a sandwich between the Russell years. Yep. And uh, another thing that you, you're talking about uh, the promotions and stuff. I remember dollar hot dog night, <clears throat> uh, $10 tickets, $5 parking, uh, that kind of stuff during the week, like Wednesday's dollar hot dog night. Uh, yeah. I also remember the hot dog guy, and I know you know who I'm talking about. The guy that was in the stands going, ah, no. Uh, you could hear him all over the stadium. <laughs> you remember him? What I remember is the guy would go, hot dogs, go, a loaf of bread, a pound of meat, and all the mustard you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was at Arlington. I think that was at Arlington Stadium. Old Arlington Stadium. I got to a watch a loaf Nolan of bread, a pound of meat, and all the mustard you can eat. Yeah, this this guy. Every time we went, it was at the new ballpark or the newer ballpark at the ballpark in Arlington. Ah, dogs! And if you're in left field, you could hear him in right field. So that's a, <laughs> so, you know that's a great you know that's a great point that you bring that up. I mean, seriously, I'm a little worried about that, and that's why you know the ballpark, you know. Uh, I did a couple stories on that at the old ballpark, you know, there, you know, there were, um, there was these two twin ladies that they had this big group that sat behind the Rangers bullpen and they were big pals with John Wetland and the relievers mm-hmm. out there. And you now we remember had the nuns remember mm-hmm. we had Zonk Zonk. Remember we yeah. had, we'd have all sorts of characters all, and, and Tom Schieffer loved it. And he kind of, he kind of facilitated it because he, you know, these two nuns to every Rangers game, you know, trust me, I'm Catholic. Nuns I am can't too. afford. I am too. <laughs> yeah. Nuns can't afford those tickets, but um, you know, Tom Schieffer kind of like like that, and um, I'm a little worried about the ball, uh, the new ballpark, Globe Life, which is Fielder Park. I can't remember one, but um, Globe Life Park. You know, there's some things I don't like Globe about Life that Field. ballpark. <laughs> yeah, some things I don't like about that ballpark, and one of them, I know they're maximizing uh, their um, you know, their revenue, which is naturally what they have to do, but. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but that ballpark has a has a moat around it. It has a moat, and what I mean by that is, let's say you you bring your kids out there. You got a son, you got a son, or you know, CJ. You bring Kane out there when he's twelve years old, and you yeah. want him to get you want him to get an autograph. You want to get a Dolores Garcia's autograph. There's no place for a guy a fan to just go down to to 
to the to the stands to the front rail to the rail. I mean, there's no place where you can take your kid down to the rail. I mean, I remember when I was in 1973, you know, getting Reggie Jackson's autograph at the Oakland Coliseum and got Al Kaline's autograph. And Carl Yastrzemski wouldn't even look at me, but uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. And but you know, that's the one thing. You know, I, I, that's one thing that I hope that this this World Series can bring a little character to the ballpark. And with that, we are going to wrap it up with final thoughts. We thank so, so, so much. Thank you to T.R. Sullivan for joining us. It is always a pleasure. Uh, it is every single time that we have him on. And uh, Kane got some some personal advice, and, and, and T.R. gave him some – or gave us and all you uh, – almost said wannabe journalist <laughs> all you all you upcoming journalists some advice on how to get there and and it was kind of nice to share my story too and on how i got there because of everything he said parlayed with what i did and kane i mean that's some valuable advice man you got it from from one of the best if not the best in texas yeah no doubt i mean i wanted like i said i was asking for myself but i was also asking for a lot of you guys because that is the question that one of the questions that i get the most um during work, during baseball at the ballpark, it's can you get me tickets and are you single? Um, no and yes, but outside of work, it is what is advice do you have? And that experience is obviously huge. And I, I obviously am blessed to have these types of mentors in my life, but I also am so willing to help with the experience that I do have. Um, give advice that I have. So yeah, no doubt. TR is obviously one of the goats. Um, I grew up reading his stuff. Um, so did I. As that's, a long, that's how long he was there. Yeah. <laughs> and well, my dad was reading his stuff too. So yeah. that's how long he was there. Finally, I can relate to, to people when it comes to age that I grew up reading his stuff. But uh, yeah, no doubt one of the one of the goats, and and we got definitely got a lot of lot of great people uh, that covered the team as well. So yeah, super super fun time, and to hear what he had to say about you know, winning and, and all that type of stuff. It just, I think hearing everyone's stories about what happened when we won is, uh, is super special. Well, and it was interesting to hear him talk about the way he looked at the playoffs, you know, when you look at the yeah, yeah, that team, which, which we were, you know, we're, we're intricately focused on the Rangers, mm. but he looked at it from a whole broad scope yeah. and said, look at everybody's pitching, which that's, that's what the paramount in, right in the playoffs mm-hmm. and he said everybody's pitching is right around par yeah and that's where everybody's at and so then it comes to offense and you saw what the rangers did yeah that was super interesting i think we all kind of looked at that especially before the baltimore series you know you were like okay baltimore is this giant and then you know you looked like like cr said you looked at their pitching and you're like mm-hmm. You know, like, I think there's a chance there. Uh, obviously, I didn't even think of it as, oh, they're going to win. I didn't either. But, um, I mean, obviously I got super lucky with Tampa, with McClanahan going down earlier in the year. And then Glasnow had that bad start. And um, they got to Eflin, too. So, it was like, that was super, super interesting. Um, and, and and obviously right online with with what ended up happening. So, that's why you saw a team like the Dodgers get knocked out. And, so, so and the Braves. Really, and the Braves, yeah. And yeah. so, you, and, and he brought up an, a great point too. You look at the bullpens and the way the Rangers constructed it, you had to have guys like he mentioned, LeClerc, Spores. They had to come up big. We knew that. How's Chapman going to do? Well, right. Chapman was, <laughs> we didn't know which Chapman we were going to get every time out. Mm-hmm. So you had to have other guys come come through and even if it's a guy in those bullpen games that we had to have with Heaney starting off and or Dunning coming later Cody Bradford and Dane Dunning eating some of those middle inning innings eating some innings and throwing pitches and and saving the bullpen in some of those bullpen games especially when it was out of hand that way the next game you come back you know full 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 guns blazing to, uh, Kane no doubt and I mean I think what something that I was kind of thinking about the other day is what Cody Bradford did throughout the playoffs. Absolutely. Enough. I mean, he pitched big innings in game one of the world series, um, pitched big in game one of the ALDS. And I, I know TR talked a little bit about 
magic and, and emotion. He kind of threw that out. But I think for me, the bullpen is where that magic came in because you knew they could hit, right? You knew the starting pitching was pretty good. But the bullpen, having the wor- one of the worst bullpens in baseball history in terms of blown saves and seeing it come up the way it did, that that to me was where the magic came in. And it was, it was a special run. I loved what TR um, was talking about, about um, – you know, the ballpark and getting everyone there, getting to the entertainment district, like it is, and it already is. Like I will leave work, you know, a couple hours after the game ends and Texas Live is still popping. Like it already, like people are lined up when I get there. Well, what I think he was talking about, Kane, was the characters in in the game. Right. You know, right. there's not an avenue where, like you mentioned, the nuns right. and, and you know, all the, all those guys, Boss Hog, you know, everybody, mm. you know, all those interesting characters that were always there. The guy, you remember the kid, you should remember this one. The, the kid that was kid. always sitting, yeah. the worm sitting in center yeah. field, catching all the balls yeah. <laughs> and then doing the worm right there on the grass. Yeah, no doubt. Stuff like that. Stuff like that is what he's talking about. I think right. mainly not outside the stadium, but within. Yeah, there's definitely characters. Um, you got to find them. But I definitely one guy. I I really hope this guy's listening to this. Um, I was walking around the concourse, um, going to get some food one day, and I see this guy wearing a full baby outfit with Jose Altuve on it, with a binky <laughs> and like everything. I'm like, like this is what I came for. Like there is characters out there. You got to find them. And like you know, Tr mentioned this, and like this Metroplex is great. Like it's awesome. These fans are great, and and, and that's like why said, I wanted to bring that up. How important them winning that World Series was yeah. for the for y'all. I mean, that's why I said you know you could probably answer that question. You have answered that question right. for us. You know how important and, and big it was, and yeah, you know it was everything. I mean, it's it's that's going to get kids. You know, my generation isn't super into baseball. It's going to get kids in, in my generation into baseball this year. It already did. Um, it's going to. Like you said, like we talked about in there, sell out the ballpark this year. Um, it's going to be popping every night, you know, not just that's a true home field advantage, you know, every night. We got section 133. Now that's, that's, that's nothing without mentioning that. That's nothing like we've seen before at the old ballpark. And I actually um, went down and interviewed those guys that started that and, um, have a story up on that but that's great um i know those guys well great dudes um great section you know it's loud it's rowdy i love it the players love it and so um it's truly one of a kind and and this year you're gonna see it um you know a lot more people hop on the bandwagon when you win of course but there's always still gonna be those those diehards that are out there and that that really make it special, special experience. Really turn turn the heat up whenever they're winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got to get CJ Berryman at the ballpark. This year. <laughs> That's what we got to get. We got to get him out here this year. Um, I'm not gonna. Uh, maybe ten years ago, I would done something stupid and got myself <laughs> on the jumbotron or something, but not anymore. I'm I'm mature now. We need CJ in the Metroplex in 2024 at the ballpark. That's oh, I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, with that, thanks for listening, y'all. And thank you again to T.R. Sullivan. King, thanks again for joining us as our, first, first. I keep saying guest host, but no, honorary host, you're, you're part of the Ranger Report. So we're just uh, going to keep rolling with it. You're doing a great job and do do exactly what you've been doing and dig in more and, and listen to TR. You just heard plenty of advice from him. I've given you very similar advice yeah. on how I was able to, to, to kind of, I mean, I did it from dirt, nothing. And, and, and went up through many newspapers and carved a, carved a name for myself. And it just, it takes a whole lot of hard work and a lot of you doing the work is you, people aren't going to start reaching out and to reaching out to you until other people start noticing you. So you're doing a great job. Yeah, I very much appreciate it. Appreciate people like you and TR and um, something else I would mention too. I I guess we kind of mentioned this, but I'm going to pivot back really quickly back going to the advice about what you, um, you know, what you are looking for getting into sports is like you, if you are of the faith, you have to have to have to have a strong faith because that is what is going to carry you on the hard days, um, on the long days. That's what's going to carry you. You cannot be rooted in sports. Your identity cannot be found in it because it's going to fail. It's not consistent. Um, and so that's what I would say the tribute to 
you know, everything like it's not easy, but you know, the Lord obviously has guided me and that's, you know, where my roots are. And so that's, that's where you're going to find success right there. All this stuff is going to fade one day and that'll all that'll be left. So glad you mentioned that because I'm in, and TR mentioned he's Catholic. I'm Catholic. Lent's coming up y'all. It's time to, time to sacrifice the Lord, our Lord and savior. Uh, For Lent. Yeah. So uh, in, in the air force, they call it being fit to fight, Mm. being, Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually strong. If you have those four, you're fit to fight. If you're missing one, you're not. Mm. So remember that, folks. I want to see, too, my Christians. get. Let's get on the Lent this time. I didn't know what Lent was. I had never done Lent. And then I started going to a new church. And they're like, hey, 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 like Christians, we're on this Lent, too. So let's get on. It's funny. There's a lot of non-Catholic denominations that actually do participate in lent so yeah no doubt uh, let's, let's, let's give some stuff up for the lord amen fish on fridays no meat no red meats on fridays mm. all that good stuff get hardcore with it all right yeah. thank you all again for listening thank you so much i know we had a hiatus there we had i mean just a multiple technical difficulties multiple, well that and i'm saying before it's been a while since we did the podcast so Mm. Um, we want to, uh, apologize for that, but you know, personal stuff and business stuff and, uh, all that kind of stuff takes priority. Um, so we had to take care of our families mm. and stuff. So everybody get in the comments of the Ranger report, tell them to let me host, get in there. I'm not <laughs> ready to do it. I'm not ready to do it yet, but, uh, if y'all, if, okay, if I get, <laughs> if, if we get the people to respond and want you to host, me and Ben and Tyler will let you host while about being your guest. How about that? We get the enough. People want to see it. I, I can put a show together. That's all I'm gonna say. All I right, all right. And I'm gonna hold you to it. You wrote. You hold run the whole it. deal. Run Give me a good deal. week. Give me a good week, and you'll have your best episode. I doubt that, but yes, we've had some great episodes. Uh, actually, the guests make the episodes. To be honest, Amen. the guests. Uh, so, but yeah, no. It, it, all right, if we get enough responses wanting Kane to host we'll make it happen we'll let him host and and we'll we'll sit his get we'll be his guest host um trying to think of a fair number here 30 at least 30 30 Ooh, that's a tall task we'll make it happen Kane all right I need my people I need y'all to I need y'all to y'all to step it up let's get it 30 30 people All right. Well, thank you again, Kane, for for joining us, honorary host, part of the Ranger Report podcast. And we will drop the deuces at this point. Thank you, TR. Deuces. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at therangerreport.com.